thank you for so much for taking the time to do this. So let's start simply. How the devil are you doing at the moment? Oh, uh, really busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um... You know, in between uh, everything around the record, and uh, we're also touring um, in a couple of weeks and trying to get all the booking done, because um, right now we're doing our own booking. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's getting done. It's getting done. Also, I just got stuck on a jury trial for three weeks, which uh, sort of threw a little wrench in the uh, time for me. Uh, and I deal with most of our sort of, you know, management and administrative stuff. So, yeah. What an yeah, what an what an unfortunate inconvenience. I I I don't know the system, but I presume jury trial over there is the same as ours, randomized. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Uh, yeah. It's it. It was just a, one of those weird coincidences, and like you know, I I've never actually been seated on a jury before, um, and. Because usually they take one look at me and they're like, oh, hell no, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but in this case, they uh, I, I think that both sides thought that I might uh, be advantageous. So, yeah. But Fair that's enough. A, and now I'm back at my real, you know, my day job. So, um, in trying to catch up there. Well, considering we are coming to the end of the year, when you reflect on what you've accomplished this year so far, are you satisfied with what you've uh, been able to do? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we set out at the beginning of the year to, um, you know, I mean, we've been a band for a really long time. You know, um, you know, and this is actually our 20th year. Mm -hmm. um, but we've, you know, we've never, we've recorded before, but we've never recorded one of our film scores as a film score. They've always been like little adaptations of the, uh, you know, like we'd take a segment, like a scene and then turn it into a song. Yeah. That's what our last record was. Um, and, uh, you know, so at the start of the year, we, or at the end of last year, we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, record this. We're going to go to a studio. We're going to uh, work with Greg Wilkinson um, over at Earhammer, who does a lot of the heavier stuff in the Bay Area. Uh, and I really wanted to work with him because I knew that he'd get us the, uh, you know, the punchier sound that uh, we were looking for, um, especially around the drums. You know, we really wanted like really good drum recordings. Um, so and then, you know, there's some scheduling stuff and uh, Charlie and I were in Europe for a couple of weeks, at, like Roadburn and, um, you know, and eventually we actually got around to recording the record in June. And since then, it's been sort of nonstop, you know, with one task after another. So, you know, I, I mean, we're we're definitely happy with what we we've accomplished i mean it's mm -hmm. a big step up from uh you know and uh working with you know billy from cool arrow and uh the guys over at consoling sounds has been uh also sort of like you know this big eye opener on like a lot of things that we've never dealt with before but I think that we've, uh, you know, we're, you know, we've definitely sort of like achieved our goals for the year. 
Yeah, and now I'm starting to stress a little bit about next year. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things we want to do for next year as well. But got to get through next month uh, first. Yeah. It is that, isn't it? Yeah, getting ahead of yourself, because, of course, we are talking about your upcoming new release, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, coming out November 3rd via Kulara Records, Consoling Sounds. Um, There's obviously a lot to talk about here, but let's start with an obvious question. And it's simply this. Why The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Ah, yeah. So um, when Sleep Bomb started out, they were, um, it was founded by Charlie, um, who's still in the band, mm-hmm. and a guy, Mark Jones, who I used to play with in a sort of industrial metal band down in Monterey in the early 90s. Um, and when they first started out, they, they, the very first show they did, they used the Cabinet of Caligari as visuals. And uh, that was sort of core, you know, the idea of putting the music with the film or with a film um, was sort of core to the original idea that they had. Now, back then, uh, Sleep Bomb was essentially an improv thing. Like for the first maybe 10 years that we were playing together, uh, you know, we didn't even really rehearse. We'd get mm-hmm. together like once or twice before a live show um, and, uh, you know, to sort of work out like themes and just make sure everybody knew the film that we were doing. But we we weren't actually writing formal music. Um, whereas... Uh, you know, so in the Cabinet of Caligari was the first film that uh, they used, and we've done it multiple times over the years. Uh, you know, both in the improv era, and then uh, you know what we're sort of referring we've been referring to as like Sleep Bomb Two Point which <laughs> is the, the like actually writing stuff era. So. Um, you know, so we already had this sort of repertoire of films that we were working with um, from the improv era, and we've we were essentially going through and being like, okay, let's write, you know, Nosferatu, let's write Metropolis, um, and then last year it was let's write, you know, the Cabinet of Caligari. Um, when we got out of the pandemic, um, basically, we'd started working on it before the pandemic, and then the pandemic was like this giant, uh, you know, pause. Um, the uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a whole lot of work done during the mm-hmm. pandemic because uh, folks. Uh, a lot of the band aren't particularly technological so you know it's not like we could set up uh you know like remote rehearsal kind of stuff and at that time uh, our writing process was really like jammy you know like we'd yeah. we get together in, in the rehearsal studio and then um you know, we'd play for a while and, you know, work out some riffs and, you know, groove on that stuff for like, you know, 20 minutes or something. Uh, and then, uh, you know, which you can't really do if you're not in the same room. So it, the pandemic sort of stalled us as far as writing goes. So when we came back from the pandemic, we were like, okay, we're going to write Caligari. We also wanted to write Night of the Living Dead. Um uh, which was, you know, so we developed a sort of new writing paradigm where uh, Charlie and I, um, you know, Charlie usually comes up with a lot of the the base riffs and uh, then the two of us will sit down and like develop that with, you know, we do a lot of call and response stuff between the bass and the guitar um 
and um you know like the bass the bass is almost like a second guitar rather yeah. that's how we treat it rather than like just a bass sometimes it's just a bass but a lot of the times we're using it almost like it's a second you know uh, like a rhythm guitar yeah you know, um where it you know it's playing off of stuff uh and with caligari actually i'm using a um a bass six uh so like a short scale six string bass rather than um you know like a traditional four uh like four string or five string you know bass although with caligari we did actually track four string as well um so there's two bass tracks um so we worked out this uh, sort of new writing paradigm, um, you know, where Charlie would come up with a riff or, you know, maybe I'd come up with a theme or something. And then we'd, the two of us would sit down and we'd actually block everything out um, to the film. Um, you know, once we'd developed uh, like the riffs down uh, and then we'd, you know, bring in Rob um, or whoever else was playing with us at the time. Um, it, the lineup was a little bit different when we first wrote Caligari. Mm -hmm. um, James Presley, the saw player, was still playing with us at that time. Um, and uh you know so we'd dump it on those guys and be like hey this is this is what it is you know and it, it was definitely a change there were a couple of things that uh we wrote in the first pass for caligari that uh didn't mesh well with the rest of the band um that didn't make it on the record um yeah and then uh we had a couple of people leave for various reasons. Um, you know, um, James left because he wanted to work on his jazz stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. He was tired of playing Saw um, and, uh, you know, it's really getting into doing like jazz piano and like solo stuff. So um, he took off and then... Um, our second drummer slash violinist also left at that time because he's training to be a pilot. Mm. So um, all of a sudden we went, yeah. Uh, oh, and then our second guitarist also left because he was having a baby. So, so we went from being a six piece to a three piece. Um, so which was interesting we actually yeah. did a couple of uh a couple of live shows as a three-piece in at the end of uh at the end of 22 i think yeah um which was weird um and then we ran into claire uh literally um my wife and i were at our rehearsal space um uh, and the the guy that has the space uh, across from us teaches drums and claire uh, i was talking with him out in front of the space and uh claire came up on her bicycle and she was wearing an ulver shirt and i was like oh hey ulver cool you know um and we got to talking and stuff and then um you know we were walking in because she was going in for a drum lesson uh and uh i was like so do you do anything aside from uh, drums because the last thing we wanted right then was another drummer mm -hmm. uh, and she was like oh you know i've been doing some vocals and keyboard stuff and i was like well my wife's here i can give her my number and not seem like super creepy so i was like here's my number call me you know i mean we're we're totally looking for someone um and she actually did surprisingly uh and we met up and she's been a perfect fit for um sort of replacing you know that extra element you know the 
sleep on, you know, it's always had non-traditional stuff, you know, mm -hmm. non-like doom metal stuff. I mean, when we're a three-piece, it's like, okay, we're a three-piece doom band, you know? Yep. There's only so much that you can do with that when you're scoring films, you know? Um, and Claire's really brought a lot to it. But, of course, it also meant that we had to sort of rewrite a lot of stuff because uh or you know not so much rewrite but rearrange um uh, so that way we weren't stepping on her and uh her things and eventually that's what we ended up with with uh the captain caligari that was a very long answer to your question <laughs> you basically covered like half my questions in one i uh -huh. love it it's amazing i love yeah. a flowing um answer um but i have to kind of go a little bit deeper in one area which is okay so you make a decision and you're like okay we're going to do the cabinet dr caligari right um but what how how do you get to the creative process next is it a matter of right we have these scenes we have these images we have this vibe that the film gives off then you write the music around that Yes, to a certain extent. Um, I, I mean, Caligari is actually uh, re was really straightforward in that sense, because the film itself is broken up into very distinct acts, mm. right? So, uh, I, I mean, it's literally like act one through act six, and the film is broken up. And then there's like uh, a couple of segments, the interludes uh, on the record that, um, you know, are also very distinct chunks of the film. Um, so, uh, yes, you know, I, I, we kind of look at... You know, it's like the first track, you know, we, not to reference like Godspeed You Black Emperor too much, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, we're very into like dynamic range and yeah. like, you know, builds, um, you know, and, um, you know, so it's like you've got an opener, you know, you need some sort of, you know, this is going to start mellow, generally, uh, you know, and you just sort of follow the film and like, you know, we like to have the big heavy stuff hitting with the sort of dramatic points. Um, not always, I mean, sometimes, you know, but like there's a, a, some like really big noisy bits that are, um, you know, when people are freaking out basically, or like murders are going on. And then the the really like, you know, bombastic heavy parts are like the big, you know, like the reveal of Cesar in the mm -hmm. cabinet and, um, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, we're definitely looking at the film in that sense, you know, and there's like certain beats that we want to hit, like, you know, uh, the third act is like this sort of expositional act in the film where they're like mourning their friend, uh, you know, being killed and talking about the investigation. So that turned into something a little bit lighter, mm. uh, you know, um, not a, a big heavy piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an incredible undertaking and um, a very unique experience, but I can't quite get my head around like how, challenging it must have been at certain points so from your perspective a personal perspective what was some of the more challenging aspects of the overall record creation hmm. that's a that's a hard one with Caligari because this one was actually pretty easy um compared to some of the other films we've done um we're we're kind of like working backwards Almost, because, um, you know, at at this point, when we um, were working on Caligari, we'd already 
done a full score for Conan the Barbarian, yeah, which is like two hours and 20 minutes. We'd already done a full score for Metropolis. Um, the cut we use for Metropolis is about 90 minutes. And then a full score for Nosferatu, which is also about 90 minutes. So, you know, we already had all this background and like, you know, what we're doing and like Rob and Charlie and I have been playing together for 19 years yeah well rob and charlie have been playing together for like 25 years uh because they were playing in several bands before sleep bomb um you know so there's uh there's a really good um sort of collaboration you know collaborative you know we all you know it's like the grateful dad or something you know and we all kind of know you know we know where we're going sometimes um the i mean i think the the challenging bits were um you know adapting to the new writing process mm -hmm. and i think that was more of a challenge for rob than it was for charlie and i because charlie and i sort of worked out the kinks alone and then we sort of showed up and we we're like hey rob here's this thing with like uh the original act five was uh this really kind of weird almost like math metal like doomy math metal thing which is very much not our normal uh repertoire and uh, it had a really weird cadence that i think rob just hated it like you could really? tell but oh. like every time we played it he was just like i hate this you know <laughs> it, it was like this really weird timing for him uh so um you know after we played it live a couple of times we uh, we ditched it basically uh and rewrote um you know a when Claire came along, we we're like, okay, we're gonna re we need to, you know, do this. And we rewrote Act Three, Act Five, and we never actually had an Act Six when mm -hmm. we um performed it the first couple of times. We did uh one of our older tracks, uh, just as a filler. Um and uh so we we wrote act six at that point as well so which i think turned out kind of well good good um yeah. i mean because going back to what you said really at the start uh the night um the cabinet of dr caligari was ultimately almost like fate that was inevitably going to happen uh based off the history and um what was done before but you know you've mentioned some others Metropolis, Nosferatu, Night of the Living Dead, Conan the Barbarian, and of course, these is variety here. I have to ask, how do you then how do you decide what you're going to do? What what you're going what movie you're potentially going to look at? That is a good one. Um so you know, originally it, it was all about the the German expressionism stuff, partially because of the aesthetic. Uh, you know, I, I mean, they're great films, mm -hmm. they look cool, they make good visuals, um, and they're free. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, because they're, uh, they're public domain, or yeah, at no least they're all public issues. domain now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, for instance, part of the release of Caligari, we're actually putting out Blu-rays that mm. have the film synchronized with the music yeah. um which is uh, I, I think it, you know it, the score it, i'll get to that yes <laughs> well i'll back up to your actual question um so uh aside from you know the uh, the sort of like traditional expressionism stuff. I mean, we tried a few um, other films, like we did. Uh, oh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Once we've done a lot of sort of uh, montage things where we've used parts of other films. 
um, like two, in 2001 and Alien and mm-hmm. like, you know, like we, we've got a sort of psychedelic science fiction thing and then we've got like an occult thing that I've edited together. Um, but as far as like actual features, it, it's like there has to be a certain flow to them. You know, I, I mean, even... It, even if it's, and you can't just take like any silent film and, you know, do, yeah, and, uh, you know, do the, like when we did The Hunchback of Notre Dame, it was yeah. just like boring um, because the film had all these like, you know, just kind of boring sections. Yeah. You know? And uh, like there's, um, and with a lot of the other films, like what we've discovered is uh, cross-cutting tends to be uh, like a film that has a lot of cross-cutting doesn't work very well. Mm. It's like Conan the Barbarian works really well because literally Conan's in every scene. Yeah. And he so like even if there's cross cutting, it's always from his perspective. You know, there's no like you know cutting from like one location to another. Um, you know, to show you know two different things going on at the same time, because when you're doing like an actual like traditional film thing, each of those scenes would be slightly thematically different you know either sound design wise or um you know either sound design or score wise um and it's really hard to do that live and Mm -hmm. uh, you know um especially with you know kind of like droney metal stuff yeah it's not like real yeah, and it's one thing if you're talking about like, you know, Kralis or something where you can stop on a dime and, uh, you know, switch to something else and then go back. But uh, that isn't us for sure. Um, and uh, so that's definitely, you know, it, people suggest films to us all the time. And yeah, if I think it's... If I think it's a good suggestion, I'll I'll go and watch the movie if I haven't seen it before. Uh, you know, um, and a lot of the times they're cool, but like they just won't work. Yeah, know, for one reason or another. Um, so that's part of it. Um, a big part of it. You know, it's like, does the vibe fit? You know. Um, we've been, um, alongside Caligari where we've also been doing this Night of the Living Dead thing. Yep. Um, so, uh, which has been interesting in of itself from a rights perspective, but we're all, we're all legit with it now. Um, and, uh, yeah, like Conan, for instance, we can't actually do Conan right now because they won't license it. Yeah, and we we have to uh, like essentially get a lawyer to be like, hey, you can't tell these guys they can't do their music, you know. Um, well, especially when we want to pay for the rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> so, uh, but Night of the Living Dead structurally is like totally different than Caligari. Yeah. I mean, Caligari is like 63 minutes of wall-to-wall music. We don't stop playing for an hour and three minutes. Night of the Living Dead, we play for like 20 minutes, and then we sit there for 20 minutes. Like, because there's like these giant dialogue sections. Yeah. Or or like, you know, we'll play and then like maybe... Charlie and Claire play for like a real quiet background thing for a while. So it's very different when you're working with a film that has dialogue and sound effects and stuff. Um, And there's a lot more work involved with that as well. So sometimes I'll watch a film and be like, hey, I'd love to do this film, but there's no way that we can do it 
with because with a dialogue film we have to with you know with a non-silent film we have to do a bunch of sound editing to remove the original music yeah and and, i mean there's a lot of tricks and like software and stuff that i work with but um you know sometimes it's just not possible yeah yeah and I'm not surprised you get, uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised, I wasn't surprised at all by you saying that you get obviously lots of recommendations. Hey, do this, do that, and so on. And because I, I ended up having a look myself, and these aren't recommendations. I, I just pulled out three that I looked at and thought, okay, would this work? And basically, have you ever considered these three? Uh, just because I think they could work. So I've got 1928's The Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't, you know, I should probably rewatch that. That's a, that's a, actually a quite, quite good suggestion. Like that's a, I haven't seen it for 20 years, probably. Mm-hmm. Just uh, as an aside, I, I have a film MFA. So like I've watched a lot of movies over the years. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a good suggestion. Um we're we're also thinking about well sorry continue with your other suggestions yeah let's start over to about 1921 the phantom carriage you know i considered the phantom carriage um it's definitely on the like hey we might want to look at this someday um yeah well fair enough I've got the, it's in the Blu-ray library uh, waiting to be evaluated Uh, again. I watched it maybe two or three years ago and I was, um, because I saw, oh, I'm forgetting who it was. Somebody actually did it up in Vancouver a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm Amazing. trying to remember who it was. Oh, it was somebody cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but the, yeah, that it, that's also a a good suggestion. Yeah. Oh, and the last one, just because it's a little weird and out there. 1926 Faust. So Faust, actually, we've done a bunch of stuff with parts of Faust. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, I mean, because there's a, so so many amazing like visual chunks in that, and then there's like you know, fifteen minutes of him chasing a girl around a tree, you know. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah limited what you can do yeah so faust definitely features um heavily in um our sort of german expressionist thing and actually up on our website i think i i cut together a video for uh our track plague uh which was uh sort of like that was actually like written about faust the the whole like you know bringing the plague to the city thing um that that was one of our like ooh we want to write a metal song you know <laughs> kind of moments uh it actually is like vocals and stuff but um yeah so yeah that that's um that's what I had really um because you know once you kind of narrow it down to a certain section it's like intriguing to do but you, you what you've said itself even I'm aware of I like a lot of these films I enjoy a lot of that particular era silent era and in horror in general but you know how do you make music out of something that is 30 minutes of straightforward dialogue then this and so on you can only do so much um which yeah. makes the cabinet of that color so fascinating Obviously, you've been doing this for 20 years, if you can believe that. Um, so I guess this might be a wide open question. What, for you personally, has been some of your favourite moments of making music with Sleep Bomb? Hmm. Being really loud. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Love it. <laughs> You know, when it, when it works, it's really great. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the venues that we play in are actually movie theaters. You know, we um, we play in movie theaters much more than we play in clubs. Uh, although we've definitely been starting to play in clubs a bit more the last uh, since the pandemic. Um, by our scales, a bit more means like three times a year instead of once. Um, You know, um, but, you know, the audiences really get into it, especially in the, like in the cinema thing where they're there to see the movie and they're there. And, you know, we get like some amazing feedback from folks, you know, and there are people that have seen us like multiple times. They, they like bring their kids to see mm-hmm. it, you know, to see like Conan, they, like uh, this one guy came up to us after we did Conan once uh, and he's got like, you know, his seven-year-old and his nine-year-old like daughters with him and his like whole family. And he, you know, it's just like, this is my favorite film. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, I can never see it again without hearing your, yeah. And we actually hear that a lot, you know, um, where it's sort of like, changes you know it, it the music changes how you view the film like even if you've seen the film a whole bunch of times before like the like conan for instance and the basil polidoris score is incredible it's a classic film score but it's also like very baroque and very sort of twiddly in a lot of spots you know um whereas what we're doing is um you know it really changes the vibe you know and uh you know it, parts of it get a lot more aggressive you know parts of it are a lot more like sort of psychedelic um and you know i think we're yeah and recontextualizing is yeah. the the term that i've used a lot even though my spell checker doesn't like it um you know um and uh, you know i i mean fundamentally it's uh, and sleep bomb's more of an art thing yeah. than a, a, just a straight doom metal band which is one of the reasons why we haven't really recorded much music because the live experience is you know with the film is what it's about um you know so i'm interested to see uh you know the reactions to uh the record because you know it's a film score yeah it's not a doom metal record even though it's doom metal or drone or whatever you want to call um i find it hard to categorize us sometimes Yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, the, the the genre placement for you is a, an absolute nightmare. Um, it's you know we've got to do it to some degree because hey, make it easy for people to read. But yeah, drone doom or just creative music, it's anything and everything. Yeah, I can't wait. So I mean, I should have I've said at the start, but I I have seen the cabinet of Caligari more times than I can remember, and I hopefully like many people, I am stoked to do what you just said there, to have a, uh, a new experience of a movie I've seen more times than I can count and potentially go down that route of, now I can't watch this without having that music. <laughs> uh, it's always possible. Yeah. Uh, and there's some other great scores for Caligari. Um, yeah. Not knocking them at all. And, you know, there's, uh, there's several other ensembles that do really interesting uh, silent film music, and that's like yeah. their thing. You know, um, what is it, uh, Invisibles, uh, Zars, um, those guys are pretty cool, except for the time they did Nosferatu in the same theater as us, like a week before we did, which we were not happy about. Um, and, uh, like Alloy Orchestra does a lot of cool stuff. They're out of New York. Um, and, uh, Clubfoot Orchestra here, um, is pretty nifty. Um, 
Yeah, it, one of the things we've been sort of uh, failing on a little bit is actually exploiting the genre aspects of mm. what we've been doing. Um, you know, we like getting into the festival circuit uh, and like conventions and stuff like that. And that's um, something that I'm going to be working on next year. Um, so. Fascinating, because I almost like I want. I, I want to. I, I know I'm not personally responsible. I can't pitch you anywhere. Like if you were to come to the UK, for example, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Fright Fest. Um, it is the UK's biggest horror film festival. It takes place at the end of August, so this year's one has just passed us by in London, Leicester Square, Central London, over okay. three days, showing movies and stuff like that, unique experience and things like that. And I just thought, my God, this would be the perfect opportunity to, as you say, do a showing of either Caligari or Night of the Living Dead, playing here and so on. Like, that's what I pictured. And it got me thinking, because like, what would it take to get Sleep Bomb over here, like, what, what do we need to do to get Sleep Bomb over to our shores? Uh, money. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really, uh, yeah, uh, it's really just about, um, you know, making sure that expenses are covered. I mean, we're a cheap date in a lot of ways. Uh, like, um, but, you know, I'm the expense of coming over to the UK. Um, that's something where it would probably need to be part of a tour or something like that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in order to do that, we'd really, you know, need like a European booker, you know, Somebody, you know, one of one of the issues that we've run into is, you know, we talk to bookers and they're like, I can help you with like traditional venues, but they don't know how to deal with film stuff. Ah, and then we talk to the film people and they're like, we don't know how to deal with the music stuff. So, you know, eventually at some point we're going to find like someone that has the right sort of mix of skills um mm. so that way i don't have to do it anymore <laughs> mm. right now i deal with all the all the booking and like you know talking to theaters and stuff and you know they get freaked out sometimes you know i mean because we have to roll in and you know I mean, I just tell them up front, like, hey, you know, we're going to need the room for, because we bring in all our own production. You know, we're the only, when we play in a movie theater, we're bringing all our own sound. Mm. In. Uh, and the only thing we're doing with them is using their projector, basically, in the venue. Um, so, yeah, because they don't have music sound, they have theater sound. Yeah. And, you know, we can't be blasting, you know, big metal stuff through their theater speakers. Um, you know, bad idea. They'd yeah. be angry at us, probably. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we have to be like, okay, you know, this means we want to play at your theater. And they're like, great. And then I'm like, and we're going to need at least three hours before the doors open to set up and at least an hour afterwards, which means they it kills screening times for them. Of course. So, uh, you know, it can be a tough ask for uh, some theaters. You know. So, but some are really into it. Like we, we've got a good relationship with... Um, the Roxy in San Francisco, um, the New Parkway in Oakland, and now on this tour, we're working with several other theaters that are really into it. Uh, the Clinton Street Theater in mm. Portland, where apparently the show is already almost sold out. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's great to hear. It really is. Yeah. <coughs> but, okay. Nicole. No, no, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> well, I was about to say, we're coming up to 50 minutes of interview time. So I'm just going to ask you one more and I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. And it's simply this. When you look at yourself now and see what you have become, comparing yourselves, the band, 
to who you were when you first got started, what do you attribute to your longevity? So uh, I'm fundamentally, I'm longevity wise, it's Rob and Charlie and I, mm. um, you know, we're the only uh, permanent core members, you know, and hopefully Claire stays around for a long yeah. time. Uh, Brown, uh, I, I need to mention him as well. Uh, Brown's been working with us for about eight years, uh, and he does our production. And uh, I'm, we definitely consider him part of the band, not just like the sound guy. Um, he's involved in uh, tons of aspects of um, the band. He just doesn't play an instrument. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's really important. Yeah. Um, I, I think number one is just we're all friends. You know, I mean, we all know, you know, to accommodate each other's foibles and, um, you know, to a certain extent, uh, there's some yeah. things that, you know, I and mean, we don't fight a lot. We're not one of those bands. You know, it's, it's like we don't get our... Uh, creative energy from conflict which mm -hmm. you know some bands are very you know i, I mean it, when mark and i the other founder of sleep bomb our previous band down in monterey um we fought constantly and that was part of the you know part of the what made it work mm -hmm. you know but with sleep bomb you know but also I think because we spent like the first 10 years being like a zero commitment, like improv thing, you know, where it was sort of like, hey, you know, like a, a text thread, like, hey, you know, you guys want to do a show? We'd only play like once or twice a year, um, you know, usually at like arty things like in galleries or um you know, at like arts festivals, and, yeah. Uh, like at the Beer Garden at the Zeitgeist in San Francisco, that was a popular venue for us. Mm. Um, mostly because half the band worked there, um, and uh, you know, so yeah. I mean, just being friends is a big part of it. You know, I think. Um, and, you know, being in agreement about, like, the direction of the band. So, I mean, since we, you know, we had this little hiatus, like, 2013 to, like, mid-2013 to mid-2014. And then we, we got back and Charlie and I started running things rather than Mark being the driver. And then Mark uh, ended up having to drop out because... Um, he was having a baby and yeah. uh, because of professional commitments, um, he was like the lighting designer for like Thievery Corporation and stuff. So um, he was also on tour all the time, which didn't help a lot for Sleep Bomb. And like Charlie and I wanted to play more. and But Mark wasn't around eight months out of the year because he was touring with Thievery. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think Charlie and I, I mean, we're, you know, really good friends, and we spend a lot of time together outside of band stuff. Um, we go to shows and festivals together, like, we've been to Europe together, like, multiple times, going to fests. Um, do you go to Roadburn? I've never or... been to Roadburn, no. Uh, in Europe, Hellfest. Is yeah. the last one I went to in France, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Claire's, uh, Claire's been to a bunch of Hellfests because mm. she's French. Um, uh, but I uh, haven't been to Hellfest, but we should check out Roadburn. You'd probably like it. I think and so. I do, think, yeah. Yeah, if you do, you can come hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it a yearly yeah. job for you, yeah? Sorry? Is it a yearly, oh, yeah. like... Yeah, we, yeah. we oh, go cool. every year. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like we've been to Iceland and uh, Norway, like we went up to Inferno one time, and uh, we went to Roadburn 
and then Inferno the next weekend, Gwynir, which was a little bit much. Mm-hmm. Like something like 105 bands in 10 days. Right. <laughs> we're by the end of it, we're like, okay, no more. No more. Incredible. Uh, yeah. So I I mean I think that that's a lot of it, you know, yeah. is it's just you know, I, I mean, we're very much on the same page. It's, uh, you know, if we disagree about, uh, you know, something direction-wise or writing-wise, we know how to come to compromise with each other. It's very rare that, you know, somebody is like, stand your ground, and the other person totally disagrees. Yeah, and, um, you know, Rob just, Rob's a bit more passive, mm-hmm. uh, but... You know, he definitely, you know, and so we have to like sort of poll him for his opinions rather than getting them up front. Yeah. Um, but, you know, aside from a couple of incidents with uh, police whistles, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, popping up in the middle of sets like uh, it's pretty rare that uh, you know he's doing something that you know and it just works and I I mean I think that's the key to you know longevity well put and as you say it works and it continues to work now because as much as we can you know talk about things from the past We've also talked a lot about the future and what comes next. It is the 3rd of November, of course, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari out via Cool Arrow Records and Consoling Sounds. And you've mentioned plans for 2024. So the future is super, super exciting. Um, Thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button button. It is gratefully appreciated. You can find us over at gbhbl.com, our full website where reviews, news and so much more goes up daily. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at GBHBL. Just search for GBHBL and you will find us out there. We also have merchandise on sale. You can access the shop via the website.